Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Sunday, August 15th. And the Cubs and Marlins wrapping up a three game set in Miami. And Brendan Things staying the course here for the Chicago Cubs, who lose all three games in this one. The tank is on. They're coming for that top five draft pick. And we have our second 11-game losing streak of the season. We'll see if this one goes further than the last one. It feels like two months ago was a year ago. Like, how did this happen so quickly? It's a tale of two seasons. But to go from no hitting the Dodgers and being, you know, double-digit games above 500 to this, like this fast, like this is the most absurd season I've ever recalled in my entire life. Yeah, so we will obviously not spend too much time breaking down in depth what happened in these games, but... Oh, you don't want to do that? You don't want to talk about uh, each one of those three well, games Well, I mean, you? we can. I mean, you know, if the if that's, what, if that's what the audience wants, Brendan, they want to hear a detailed breakdown of how the Marlins scored 14 runs on Friday. Yeah, we I can want do that. that. I want that. I want that yeah, pain. Yeah, we can I want deliver that pain. on that. Um, okay. I'm sure it's a great episode for the Marlins-related podcast, uh, whoever those people might be in the in the podcast universe. But uh, we do have, you know, individual performances, of course, the, the kind of key to these last couple months that we're paying attention to, some interesting things continuing to go on in the minor league levels for the Chicago Cubs that we want to draw your attention to, and some of the roster stuff that the Cubs have been going uh, have going on for them, but I, I do I do want to start at least briefly in discussing what you were just bringing up, Brendan, and that is like the absurdity of this season because obviously now this is the uh, second ten or more game losing streak that this team has had. And that is the first time the Cubs have done that in the same season since 1954. So, A, this is one of those spots where when you hope to, you know, that the Cubs do something historic and that they're breaking records, you have to be very specific in what records you want them to be breaking. Um, these point, are the bad yes. kind, but they're but but we're breaking records, you guys. We're we're, we're setting new new <laughs> franchise heights. We're we're doing it. Um, but it's it's just really wild to like you said have gone from where they were when Zach Davies, Tapera, Chafin, and Kimbrel no hit the Dodgers in L.A. 
And where we are now, I, I in in saying that this is the first time that they've done that since 1954. Obviously, there is not a season in certainly your or I's lifetime that is going to exactly mirror this. But just anecdotally, can you do you even remember a season that felt so distinctly defined? in in different directions, right? Because like we we've had seasons where the team was 500 for most of the season, but they turn it on at one point and and sneak into the playoffs. We've had seasons where the expectations were sky high and they delivered when they were sky high and they didn't deliver things like that. But I I, I don't remember anything that is so extreme. No. As the team being in first place, we're reading quotes from Crane, from Jed, that they're going to buy, they've got the money, they're, you know, sweeping so many of, of the other playoff teams that they might run into, right? They're racking up those sweeps. Padres. <laughs> right. And now we're talking about one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, this is going to end up being one of the worst teams in baseball, and it's it's... Uh, like insane to kind of wrap your head around it's if they go i believe it's 10 and 32 at this point they're going to lose 100 games um that i i mean that's that that leaves me speechless going into this year that that wasn't in like the one percentile outcomes losing 100 games uh, it's it's never going to happen again in our lifetimes, I think, just given how we've seen, you know, year, years past teams and especially the Cubs, like they, they, they've never had even this type of an extreme. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this and, and tanking. We talked about last episode. Well, you know, it's great to get that top five draft pick, but if you do so, then some stuff is not going well. Right. Alzelay is not going well, and maybe some of the other things like Dykeman coming up and Keegan Thompson coming up soon, that didn't go as well. And uh, to see Alzelay on the IL, for example, like that's not good. So I don't know how I, I don't know how I feel about it, but uh, there are interesting performances. I'll still keep watching. But Corey, like this is absurd. They're gonna they're gonna lose 100 games right. this year, and it was seven weeks ago. We're looking at free agents like, hey, does <laughs> this is kind of a crazy thing? But like like offline, like, hey, does bringing back John Lester make sense? Right? It's just it's it's a completely different universe right now. Yeah, I I can't I can't say that I recall experiencing anything quite like this. Um, you know, it it's just uh, a tale of two seasons. I think you you put it really well, and it's I I guess just one of those reminders of uh, you know how the game of baseball can be and and how quickly things can turn but even when well it's a dumb sport we always knew that i mean baseball is legitimately the yes, dumbest sport i do think that's a catchphrase of, of yours um yeah. but no it is there's no doubt about it like when they lost that series to the dodgers and the rest of that road trip didn't go well and you sort of started to feel the writing on the wall of like okay uh-oh right then you have that series in milwaukee things really go off the rails and it 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 becomes clear like what this season is going to be right i i did not think that we would get here um to the point where you are legitimately like looking at where they're going to end up in in the draft and remember when we were previewing the game 
after the past series going into this series with Miami, I mentioned that Miami was one of the teams that the Cubs are quote-unquote competing with for some of those bottom spots. And like Miami looked like very much the better team uh, in the in these three games. So if that's any indication of where this is going to go, you you certainly got it. But yeah, it it just is. It's been a very unique season going from believing this team was going to be in the playoffs and kind of trying to figure out where they stacked up against a team like the Dodgers or the Padres and what would they need to do at the deadline to be able to mess around in October if they got there to just, uh, uh, yeah, this absolute mess. Um, and, you know, you look at the schedule and just the way that they're playing and like, I I don't know when this, this particular losing streak is going to end. At least the last time it happened, you know, there was a lot more talent on this team to kind of... <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny at this point. I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I do feel for the players. I'm it's sure funny, this is not yeah. easy for them. You know, guys like Kyle Hendricks, really all of them, right? You have guys coming up trying to make a name for themselves and catch on. And I'm sure this is, is very, very frustrating. But yeah, I don't know if funny is is the word that I would use, but... I think it's funny. They just, lost, they just lost 11 games in a row twice in the span of like two months. I think that's I think that's like funny. There, there's point. like a you know, morbid you know. absurdity to it that, yeah, yeah you can't kind of help but laugh. I mean, especially and then like, the, the trade deadline was so painful for all of us that it, it is kind of just like, well, yeah, might as well, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, go for it. Like, do whatever you guys want. But it's the way they... It's the way it happened too, right? Like you know, hit the Dodgers, and you know, for us, that's that's a big deal. And you're in first place, and you are looking at Chris Bryant at the time getting back to form, and Rizzo starting to get a little hot. And at the time, it felt like all right, like we're on the up and up, and we are going to buy. And then it went the complete opposite direction. You can't get any more opposite than than this. So in a weird way, yeah, I I I think it's funny. Um, you know, I feel bad for some of the guys, but this is it. Like I was watching David Ross. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw it today, Corey, but it, it was it was great. Uh, David Ross is being, you know, interviewed on his Zoom press conference, whatever you want to call it, and uh, like Ross is like, yeah, like I've been talking to God lately. It's like me and uh, good old Jesus, <laughs> and like you look at Ross and imagine what he's feeling like right now, like having those expectations and, and having those relationships with all of his, uh, you know, former teammates and now guys he was managing to go from that to this uh, is, uh, man, I can't even begin to imagine what, uh, what a changeup that is. Yeah. And that is where we are. I, I really like, honestly, can't, I can't really believe it. It's it's uh, it's quite jarring to even think about that it was not too long ago we were having completely different conversations and just how aggressively they've gotten to this point um, in losing so many games in, in such a, a short span. It's uh, quite quite jarring and you kind of have to to get used to it still and then you know we still have a month and a half of this season left so I mean you're 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 presumably going to be watching them play this level of baseball and kind of getting these results for several more weeks and it's 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 easy i think at times isn't that great Corey? isn't that great you get seven more weeks of this yeah i didn't mean to say that it sounds like a threat when i say it that way you know like uh you guys are gonna have to watch this baseball for the rest of the year seven um Ugh. It's it's easy and difficult, I think, to kind of key in on some of these 
the younger guys or even just the guys getting some of these opportunities. You know, we've talked about so many of them. It's it's weird because you want to focus on it. You want them to be going well. And like you said, if they're going to be losing, you don't want that stuff to be contributing to the losses. But at the same time, it it there there it it is difficult in a way. Like we all want the Cubs to win. We all have pretty high expectations, I think, for this team and high goals for this team. And it does get hard. Like, admittedly, like for me, I, I think for you, Brendan, and I would imagine for all of you listening, like it's it's hard. You know, you watch a couple of these games to keep tuning in and say like, okay, like I, I know they're probably not going to win, but like I just want to see Justin Steele do well, or I just want to see Adbert do well, or whatever. It's it's not it's not particularly easy, and that's kind of why I was comparing it to you know you think of a season like 2003, or even some of those late like 2007. You know, both of those seasons didn't start out with the expectation that the Cubs were going to be really good, or they were going to make the playoffs, or whatever. Like I think there was mixed views, and even through certain portions of those seasons right? They were kind of, you know, around 500, middling around, looking like maybe something could happen. And then you, you know, it it starts to piece together and it gets exciting. And then it's okay, wow, this is really a a fun season. Something's happening. And, And that's like one particular way for things to go. This is really, really unique. Um, just sort of being on kind of a high and coming just absolutely, you know, earth-shatteringly crashing back to the ground um, in the way that they did. It's it's uh, a struggle sometimes to to dig into something. We'll remember the season, though, because of all of this. Like, we'll look back 10 years from now. It's like, all right, well, it couldn't be as bad as 2021 when they traded Rizzo and KB and Javi in less than 24 hours, and then lost 100 games that year. Like, <laughs> like when we're talking about this team in 2040 and contrasting maybe a different blow-up, this is going to be the standard. Like, I don't it think it can get any be. worse in, I hope you're right. It better if be, anything could be worse than think, this, I don't know. I don't want to know what it is. <laughs> man, I don't even want to think about that. But like seriously, what like, this, this is it, right? You're living through the worst regular season of your life. Well, so, so wait, congratulations. Let me, let me ask you this. And I mean, obviously, it started yeah. in a you know this was a particular season because we knew you had some huge franchise legends on expiring contracts. I like all of that context. I get, but would you? Knowing where we are now, would you prefer that the Cubs had just been on a 100-something loss pace coming into the season, and then you wouldn't have even really gotten yourself up for the season at all, or or did you do you take anything out of having a you know a fun first three months mm-hmm. or whatever, and and the team being in first place, or would you rather have kind of written off the season in April? Yeah, that's a good question. Um... You know, losing right now, the way we're losing, like it, it doesn't really phase me. The the losses during that June, you know, late June, early July stretch, that sucked. That was bad, and the trades go along with it. That was bad, but I rather maybe I'll change my mind. But like, it would have sucked to see in April and May and June, uh, dreading those trades for three months. Like we dreaded those trades for about what, two and a half, Couple three weeks, weeks? Yeah. right? So I guess in that sense, I'd rather had had those trades gone as they did, just a little bit faster than we expected. I mean, to go through, let's say let's say they start off the season like like two and 14, right? And instantly, 
you're already hearing about those trades. And I don't want to hear about that for like three, four months. So I guess in a weird way, if I'm going to lose 100 games, yeah, just pile it on in, in the second half. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree. I mean, obviously, you never, I think no one ever wants to experience, you know, kind of the seasons that we've, and we've seen them with the Cubs certainly in the past, but uh, you know, a team like the Pirates coming into 2021, where it's just like, this team isn't good. There's no chance they're going to be good. You can kind of just write them off, like the minute they step on the field, right? Diamondbacks kind of felt the same way. Orioles feel that way a lot. Um, and I'm glad that we got those couple months. Uh, I had some fun at Wrigley Field when we were able to get back here, obviously, after not being able to go in 2020. Um, but it, it is it is just kind of a, a lot to reconcile that that the the sort of fun portion at the beginning of the year is now sort of just utterly meaningless. And And I look back on some of the... <laughs> Some of the stuff that we talked about or that I tweeted and, and and during April and May when the Cubs were in first place and all this other stuff, and you're just looking at it going like, God, what an idiot, right? Like, boy, did this like, not work out. Thinking? Or boy, does you saying this sound really stupid um, because it's, yeah, it's just not uh, not like that anymore. But anyway, uh, yeah, I just, I was. The worst part's over though, right? The worst part is over. So well, that that also too. I mean, once they once the the trade deadline happens, it's very easy to I think stomach all of this. I know a lot of people watch every game religiously, no matter what. You know, Brendan and I do as well. So you you want to you don't want to be watching them lose all the time. It's not pleasant if you're going to spend the few hours a day watching or listening or paying attention. You don't want them to be losing, but. Yeah, for me, like they, at least just for this year, like they destroyed my soul uh, on the trade deadline. There there was no going back from that. And at this point, I'm kind of numb to whatever it is. Uh, but I I definitely, I, you know, I think I can see where it's, it's still not super pleasant. Uh, a lot of people always pay attention to this team and, and this is, uh, this is not great. Yeah. You know, following guys on Twitter who are who are closely monitoring all the all the prospects has helped. Like seeing Canario just hit absolute tanks who came over in that KB deal, and seeing like Brennan Davis throw go, throw guys out from right field and then continuing to go oppo with authority. And I saw like James Tronto's from uh, this year's draft make his debut in the ACL. So it's like I guess, and I was thinking about this too. I'd rather this happen in this era than like 2005, like when Twitter was not a thing, because I would just be a mess by myself. Now I get to experience misery with so many people. Like I, I'm, I'm so happy that so many other people are sad with me, Corey. Yeah, that's uh, certainly one way to look at things, but we press forward. I We do. Yeah, I, I never thought we would be um, covering our second 11-game losing streak. 11 and still going, at least as Brendan and I are recording this. So who knows? Like, let's say, can they push 20, Brendan? I mean, at this point, 20, why not? baby, let's Let's go. do something crazy, right? Let's, <laughs> yeah. can they get the number one overall pick if they just never win again? If we're trying to break records, let's go all out. I actually right? think Arizona is so bad that the, even if the Cubs just didn't win anymore, I, I think that would still be kind of difficult uh, for them to pass yeah. them. But anyway, uh, we do know. have... 
something to check in on in the minor league level, which is of note, and that is Keegan Thompson being stretched out, similar to Justin Steele. Uh, did pitch for the Iowa Cubs on Sunday. He retired all 13 batters that he faced on Sunday in a perfect four and a third innings. He went 61 pitches. That was the limit for him. Obviously, he's not on, you know, obviously not on the same track as Justin Steele. So building him up, he'll probably have a few more here in Iowa till they can get that pitch count up as long as the results continue to be good. We should see him getting a similar opportunity to Justin Steele. I think those two guys are kind of in a, a very similar boat, just not the exact timeline. But they're going to be given opportunities to see what they have stretched out as starters. And I think it's it's totally possible that the Cubs prefer them in different roles based on what they see for the rest of the season here. And I also think it's possible that one or both of them end up being in, in pretty strong consideration for a rotation spot come spring of 2022. But similar to Steele, Brendan, and I, I guess I keep using that phrase, but they're, they're really on a, a very similar track here in what the Cubs are doing with them and what their ultimate outcome is hopefully would be. So that's why I, I I keep saying that. But similar to Steele, the results, we, we saw them be able to work against major league hitters coming out of the bullpen. We, we know that they can get guys out at the major league level. And when they went back down, got stretched out, the results are really good. And Keegan mm-hmm. still needs more time down there. We'll see what happens when he comes up. But four and a third's perfect innings is quite literally as good as you could have hoped for for him getting this process started. As Steele came up and showcased more sinkers and change-ups and curveballs as a starter, I'm curious if Keegan Thompson will do something similar. Uh, Whereas Steele was a slider forcing guy out of the bullpen, mostly for Thompson, it was cutter forcing. So is he going to come back and throw a changeup? Is he going to throw maybe uh, a heavier breaking pitch? We'll see. But just dwelling on what our rotation looks like at the moment, we have Hendricks, we have Alzali, who's unfortunately on the I.L., but with a non-arm injury, which makes things a little bit better. But when he's back, you have Alzali, Hendricks, Steele, Thompson, and Mills. And then, of course, Davies, if they want to do a six-man. And that's interesting. That's not like something to be saying, oh, I'm, this is our rotation for 2022. But if things go as best as possible, then, you know, going into 2022 with that type of confidence, the rotation could be easier to fill than we think. And there's a lot of interesting free agents in the market this year. If you want like Marcus Stroman, Kevin Gossman, Noah Syndergaard might be a free agent. He's, I know the injuries are, are crazy with him. But there's ways that you can piece together this rotation. And it's so much easier if you know that when September ends, this is who Justin Steele is, or this is who Keegan Thompson is. And you already know at this point what Alzelay can bring. I know the lefty issue is being worked on, but for the most part, you have a pretty clear idea of what he's capable of. And then you have Hendricks, who's just that staple in that lineup. So as the season goes along... Like on a game-to-game basis, I'm finding it interesting to still watch these 
these games solely because of the pitchers. The the lineup's a different story. But once Keegan does come up, you know, every every day for the most part, you're going to get a very interesting pitcher to follow that does have relevance for next season. Yeah, uh, we've talked about this a lot. So I think you guys kind of know what we're looking for with these types of situations. And I, I think it will, we'll talk about Alzali more in, in depth uh, in a second here. But I, I think as long as you're able to look at him, Thompson, Steele, if they decide to give anybody else opportunities, you know, we've seen Corey Abbott kind of flirt with opportunities, stuff like that. But if you can have a couple rotation spots, ideally, really firmly, like confidently locked up by some of those guys, like I think that would put you in a good spot. You add Hendricks, like you said, Brennan, spend a little money to add uh, an upper tier guy to that rotation. I think you can find yourself in a place where you're feeling pretty good about it. And as we talked about a lot, you just want to give Jed that flexibility that if he's if he's working with limited resources or great resources, whatever it ends up being, this is the time to fill spots and allow him to use that money in a more focused manner. If you're looking at Alzali, Steele, and Thompson, just for, you know, as an example, right? This is not how I hope it goes or where I would say I am right now. But if you end up in a place at the end of this season where you're thinking, I don't think any of these guys can have a rotation spot, that changes things for Jed Hoyer. That There would need to be either significant adjustments and work taking place in the offseason leading into spring training, or you're going to have to spend significant resources either financially or prospect-wise to shore up the rotation. So this is kind of consequential stuff, and it and has a, a, a pretty wide range of ways it can go, right? That That's the negative way. The best way would be all three of these guys look and end up in a place where you're like, yeah, I think we can at the very least go into spring training feeling pretty confident if we gave them each a spot or an opportunity and just go load up, you know, another top starter to go along with Hendricks or a top two starter, whatever it is. So it's going to be interesting. But on, on that note, so Thompson was very good on Sunday. It's it's part of the process. Again, only 61 pitches, so we'll see how they continue to go about that stretching out process and what the next outing for him looks like in several days here. But let's talk about Alzali just for a second, Brendan. So he pitches the game on Friday. He lasts just an inning and a third, five hits, six earned, one walk, one strikeout, and one home run allowed. His 13th loss of the year, which is wild. He, like, in some of the starts, he's definitely been bad, but he's also gotten uh, really job no and run, run support. support in most yeah. of these starts because his ERA is now at, at 5.16, and, you know, certainly six runs in an inning and a third on Friday is not going to help that number. But when you look back at the body of his work, he's I don't think he's deserved 13 losses. But that's neither here nor there. The The issue at hand is this was not a good performance, and then he now lands on the injured list. Like you said, not a uh, you know arm-throwing-related injury, but still 
this is sort of uh, another bump in the road for his progress, not only for the results that we saw on Friday, but certainly the injury, though, as we've noted a lot, probably on a pitch count, we weren't sure how the Cubs were going to manage that. So this probably at least takes care of some of that. And then perhaps he can come back and just finish out the season with however many starts, and they're already doing the six-man rotation. So hopefully it works out that way. Um, But all in all, just not a good day for the Alzali progress tracker on Friday, I think is fair to say. To, to some degree, you don't know if they were eventually going to restrict his innings anyway. So not to say, oh, this is a silver lining or anything, but um, if he ends up taking three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, that's fine. And I know we want to see Alzali that ERA go down. Like I want to see that too. I want to see the progress against lefties and see if that changeup ultimately ends up working and if the cutters end up working against lefties. Uh, we're still going to have time to do that. Like we still have about seven weeks left and going into 2022. Like I feel as if I kind of know what to expect from Adbear. Again, the last stepping stone for him is that lefty problem. But I, I'm confident that he's going to get beyond that. It, there's way more uncertainties for guys like Steele and for Thompson than there are for, for Alzali. So if, if he ends up taking four or five weeks, then then so be it. And it also does give an opportunity you know, for Keegan to come up here maybe sooner than expected. I don't know what they think about him stretching out for multiple outings in Iowa or if they want to even just do that up in the bigs after like one or two more AAA outings I'm not sure but you know you do get an opportunity there and as you mentioned earlier there Corey you do have you know Abbott that might get more of an opportunity um so it's it's all to say is I've seen enough from Abbott this year I I want to see more don't get me wrong it's always nice to have that confidence uh so you can project who to sign in the offseason but from from my point of view guy's got six pitches he already showcased the ability to adapt a few times. I know the lefties are going to be a work in progress, but I like what I've seen so far from lefties. And that's it. For 2021, like, Adbert checked all the boxes for me. We're already in, in, in August. And at this point, whatever he does going forward is the cherry on top. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I don't know if I'm necessarily as confident as you are with regard to Adbert, but... What I would say is that I I definitely am in a place where these results are not in, informing too much of my opinion. Like you said, the the real keys here are this is his first full season as a member as a starting member of the rotation, um, and despite him not you know he's not 23 years old, but that's still where he is in his career, so that's important. Mm-hmm. And he, with no arm injuries too, right? Like he's, he's gone through mid-August with no arm injuries. He's developed a bunch of new pitches. He's reworked his repertoire, the sequencing, all of this stuff. And I, I totally get right. You want to see the results. There's no, you know, he's got an ERA that's over five. There's no real way for me or anyone to spin that as like a positive, right? But I would, I would just say that as we exit this year, a lot of the work to determine who he's going to be is going to take place in this off season and in spring training. A lot of adjustments, you know, especially like this lefty problem, right? These are tough adjustments to make mid-season 
for a guy who is already making a bunch of adjustments, right, in terms of using new pitches and figuring out when to deploy them, how to sequence them, things like that. So him, Tommy Hadovy, the pitching infrastructure that we talk about all the time, they're going to have a lot of work to do in kind of refining this, right? And you may not know exactly what it's going to look like in 2022, but you you have to be, I think, willing to give it a shot based on what you've seen and a lot of the stuff that Brendan is highlighting and praising and and going deeper in and in, in pointing out for all of us because it's we all want the results, right? We would all feel better if he were in a discussion to be the Cy Young or something like that, right? Like, duh. But a lot of this stuff takes time. And maybe come 2022, it won't work. They'll have changed things. They'll have refined things. They'll, they'll have this version for what they want to work. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But a, a lot of this work needs more time. It just does and, and is going to require getting in the lab, getting in spring training, having those opportunities to test some things out, rework some things, go through an off-season of workouts kind of towards this aim and stuff like that. You know, they may have a different vision for his body based on the type of pitches and and whatever plan they have for him in 2022. So it's this has not gone the way that we wanted, uh, but we have seen a lot from him. We've seen a lot of growth from him, a lot of adjustments from him. And I think mm-hmm. I'm with you, Brendan, that we we have to allow them the opportunity to kind of put put the whole thing together and, and give us something in 2022. And I think it should be a, a much more refined product. And then you, you know, of course, you, you see if it works and, and see if he's able to execute that vision uh, for himself and, and from the front office. Well, if we look at just his overall you know, strikeout numbers and walk numbers, his K per nine is over nine and his walk per nine is under three. And going into the year, my biggest concern with Alzali was command. He had command issues, you know, for the last three seasons, uh, 2018, uh, 2019, 2020, in his, in his small little sample there in 21 innings. Like last year, during that COVID season, he had a walk per nine of 5.5, right? This year, it's 2.7. So his issue this year has just been strictly home runs, mostly against left-handed pitchers. And I remember back back in the day, we used to use XFIP, and now we have all this other stuff. But like his XFIP is 3.9, and that's just assuming what his numbers will look like once he normalized that home run per fly ball rate to league average, which is uh, around 10.5%. So I think that's possible. I think it's more than possible. I think it's almost I think it's almost likely, Corey. I know we have different opinions and our confidence about this, but my confidence comes from the ability for Aber to adjust so quickly. And we saw, I'm forgetting against which team, I think it was... Um, the White Sox, where he threw six in the third innings, and he struggled a little bit there in the first few innings against lefties, but he came back and he showcased what he has. And so it's those examples where I know it's only one game or a two-game sample, but when you look at what's actually going on, those to me are extreme significant events. To go in to a game and throw change-ups like you know, 20% of the time, is a, an extreme significant event that you cannot ignore. So going into next year, if he sustains this strikeout rate, which I think he can, and if he sustains this level of command, which I think he can, given his pitch sequencing change, then 
if I'm going to bet against Adber not being able to get lefties out, like, I think I'd be dumb. I mean, he has a contact rate of 75%, well above league average in terms of being better than league average. And he just has too many pitches to not get lefties out. He has too many smart people on his side with with Breslow and Tommy Hadovy to not figure this out. And he is checking off the big uncertain boxes for me, which was health, arm health, command, and that's it. Everything else, I've, I've been my expectations have been exceeded. I, I do just want to point out that we've reached a point where Dan Winkler has a four and a half ERA and Rex Brothers has a, an ERA over five. So I nice. I don't know whether to think like, you know, obviously the beginning of the season for both of those guys was mirage or to think kudos to Hadavi and Ross for somehow using those guys to the point, you know, for like a couple months, like they had pretty solid numbers coming out of that bullpen. I don't really know what the conclusion is. I just think it's worth pointing out that uh, things look perhaps a little more matching of the eye test with the two of those guys now when you look at their numbers. Because I know, I I think for Winkler especially, because he had like an ERA that was, I think, sub two and a half for like most of this season. And basically everyone on Cubs Twitter, every time he would come in, would just be like, I don't know how this guy has such good numbers. (laughs) Because it just seems like he's really bad (laughs) when when he pitches. But his numbers are really good. So... Unfortunately, Jed didn't get any takers on uh, on either of those two guys at the deadline, but it is what it is. So the first move on the offensive side that I want to talk about is a move that the Cubs made, I believe, before the game on Sunday, and that was to activate Jason Hayward and option Greg Dykeman down. And I, I, I just want to touch on it briefly, Brendan, and I think you're in the same boat as me. We didn't really talk about this uh, separately, but I just, I don't get this, right? And Dykeman had had not, you know, done well in a very brief stint, so I'm not really sure what you really wanted to draw from uh, such a, a small sample there. Um, you know, he did, I, you know, I think he had like a 350 OPS, right? So like, obviously it was not good in the, in the short time that he was here. If you feel he's overmatched, you feel he's overmatched, you want to be doing the best thing for a, a prospect's career, right? And if you feel like he needs more seasoning in AAA, fine. I have no problem with that. But where I'm a little confused is why you would why, where is like Michael Hermosillo, who's been tearing it up and recently came back from an injury, right? There, There's other guys that we've seen in the minor league level that may be more in that mold of what we're seeing from Ortega or Patrick Wisdom. And and even even Schwindel, who we'll talk about in a second here, who's putting up really nice numbers in this, and in, in, it's still a shorter sample for him. But I... I get the money thing, right? Nobody needs to explain Hayward's contract, Hayward's veteran status, anything like that to either of us. But I, I'm i just a little confused as to why you would send down a prospect you just got. And instead of bringing up one of these, uh, you know, hotter hitters from Iowa, Rivas, Hermosillo, guys that we've talked about, why why give any more playing time to Jason Hayward like there there I I guess my my question in general is 
the Cubs are showing a real willingness to give guys opportunities in a lot of spots, right? I'm just not sure why you don't do that everywhere, right? Like, I would not be putting, you know, and I mean, if you don't have a catcher, whatever, but like the Romines, both of them, right? Hayward, it it just isn't, what is that doing for you? Like, why why isn't every position on the team as much as you can filled with guys to just see what they're capable of, see what they have, and give them a month and a half of playing time and see if you find more guys like Ortega and Wisdom where you're going, hmm, like maybe we found something here. Maybe this guy can be a role player going forward. I don't understand it. There's got to be a reason for it. With Hayward, as I think about it, the only the the only thing that makes sense for me is he has to be on this team for the next two seasons. Like he's under contract for Does sure for though? the next two seasons. I, he doesn't I mean, have to be. Technically, no. Doesn't have to be, but you know how this team is with money. They try, they try, they probably want to try to get as much value out of it at this point. It's, it's a sunk cost at this point. Don't get me wrong, but maybe that's what they're thinking, and they value Hayward's transition to more of like that grizzly veteran presence. So if they're thinking, okay, let's give Jay Hay a chance to to redeem himself mm-hmm. towards the end of the season. We value his veteran presence so much that. We want him back, and we even if it's not at the point of being above league average or slightly above league average, even if he's like a one to one point five WAR guy, that's valuable to them. Maybe I'm not sure. Like if he's starting in right field next year, like I'm 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 gonna lose my mind. Like don't don't get me wrong, but that's that's the only thing that makes sense. And in doing so, if you bring Jay Hay back up now, which is what they did from the injured list. You still get you still give guys plenty of time in AAA. Like Dykeman's still going to play sure. mostly every day down there in AAA. So it is kind of like, all right, well, you know, no one's really technically losing playing time, but you do want to see the best competition against these guys who you think might have a role for 2022 with Rivas and Hermosillo. So like, I get it. I'm not happy about it. If it were up to me, I would just keep Hayward on the IL the rest of the season. Um, but that's that's the only logic to me that makes sense by Jed and by David Ross. And if you hear, of course we know this, but even more recently, when you hear David Ross talk about Hayward, like you know they want him to get back to being somewhat productive because they they, they truly do value that type of veteran presence so much. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that makes sense. And I, I know that each move... They may give guys like Hermosillo, Rivas, etc., an opportunity sooner rather than later. And I didn't necessarily, I, I didn't expect them to, you know, cut Hayward or anything. It's just when you see a transaction like that, in in you know, it's just a one for one thing. Here we're bringing back uh, a veteran on a huge contract that's got a 590 OPS, and we're sending down a guy that we just got in this trade that we were you know, really only got a brief look at, right? Even again, it didn't go well for Dykeman. I'm not unaware of that. I just, yeah, like, you know, you look at the lineup on Sunday and you've got Matt Duffy in there, you've got Hayward in there, you've got Robinson Chirinos, and you've got Andrew Romine at shortstop. That's four positions filled by older guys who really should not be factoring into your plans in the future going forward. And that was just one lineup. We saw other guys through the rest of the weekend. But 
I'm just looking at this and wondering, like, that seems like four spots. And again, catcher's unique because you don't always have catchers that you can just bring up. But that's at least three or four spots that just seem better served elsewhere. And and giving uh, getting a look at somebody at the major league level in games that don't matter, you're already losing every single game you play. Like, there's no pressure on these guys. I just they they've done it a lot and they're gearing up to do it right with what everything that they're doing with Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson is specifically geared for this purpose of seeing what these guys have and if the team was still competitive and and they were chasing the Brewers or whatever they were doing you wouldn't be seeing this right Keegan Thompson and just and Justin Steele would have to be filling roles in relief or longer relief there wouldn't be time to give them starts at the major league level and just see what's happening right so they are using this time productively I'm just wondering why at least sometimes it's not as full of an experience I guess as it could be Honestly, Corey, I don't know. Like sometimes the decisions that have been made recently by this team is it kind of leaves you speechless. I mean, going back to what seems to be 35 years ago with with having no backup catcher. I'm not going to say his name, but that second baseman that played all the time. Right. It's like I'm not surprised they're making these decisions, right? Like to see Roman out there, a shortstop. It's like, all right, well, yeah, I, I I guess I can understand this because they've shown the capacity to make these bizarre decisions. I. Like it is, it is frustrating. Like if I were a AAA player, right? Like if I'm Nick Martini, for example, Another I don't know what the yeah, plans are for we Nick forgot. Bart- yeah, he'd yeah, been like, up, but yeah, yeah, like yeah, like I don't know if Nick Martini is going to be part of this future at all. But you know, he is doing well down there in AAA, and he's not just like doing well in a small sample. He's already had almost 250 play appearances. He's put in his work. Like he's doing really right. well down there. He has a woba of 393. So you see, imagine you're Nick Martini, right? And you see Hayward come back off the IL. He gets his playing uh, spot back, and Dykeman sent back down. I am so discouraged. If I'm doing what I'm doing at this level, what more can right. I do? Plus, don't you want to at least get an idea of hey, maybe I want to bring back Nick Martini next right. year, and maybe some of the changes we're seeing in AAA, like maybe that can translate to the major league level. And I get he's 31, 32, but it's just it's just a process. You kind of know what you have in Hayward at this point. This entire year he's been struggling against sliders, and even leading up to that injury in his last around 100 plate appearances, his weighted on base average is around 250, 270. Like it's not as if he's going through these extreme peaks and valleys it's been mostly bad for for Hayward this year so it's 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 puzzling but it's still understandable right. in a bad way yeah yeah no I get it I just to me I would I I think I'd like to end up in a place where most of these days for this last month and a half eight of those lineup positions are filled with guys that at least you're asking questions about for the future. And that can include Ian Happ, David Bodie, guys that we're more familiar with. It doesn't have to be a bunch of guys that just come up from Iowa, but guys that you are trying to figure out what they have, what they can do, what their role might be going forward, answer any lingering questions, etc. And then having mostly guys like Steele and Thompson on the mound, right? So it's 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 almost just like a tryout in a sense, for a month and a half on a daily basis. That, that I think, is the best use of this yeah. time. And I thought, yeah, it was at least worth a discussion um, as they make that move on Sunday. So last thing uh, on the offense, and I'm, I'm just pointing this out, uh, Frank Schwindel, couple home runs this weekend <laughs> <Yeah>. in Miami. <laughs> 
Uh, his updated line with the Cubs, a 378 average, 417 on base, 756 slugging, with which is good for a 208 WRC plus, and 0.7 wins above replacement. Now, this, of course, is only in 48 plate appearances, so that's a very small sample, but just pointing it out because we've seen with guys like Ortega and Wisdom, those are obviously much larger samples and have they been, you know, able to kind of piece some things together more consistently for months at a time. But this is the this is the point of that last conversation, right? Is that it's only it's it's just south of fifty plate appearances, but at least Schwindel is doing something that's, you know, catching your attention right? And now you can kind of say, okay, like, let's see how the rest of this month and a half goes. Like, perhaps you've found a a bench guy, you know, or a role player type guy. We'll see. But this is why you do this, right? They, they, They claimed him. They got him from Oakland. You have spots open up to give it a try, and he's putting up some, some really big numbers here in, in this limited, uh, playing time. To be taught, like no offense to Frank Schwindel, like he's killing it right now, and he deserves all the praise. He is almost he has zero point seven WAR at this point in like under a hundred plate appearances. That 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 that's amazing, but it's kind of funny and surreal to be talking about Frank Schwindel in this context at this point. You you can make of that whatever you want, but it's just, it, it it is funny and bizarre to be talking about Frank Schwindel. Um, but it goes to the point of what we were just talking about. Like who else can step up? Right? Who's who's another Frank Schwindel, Patrick Wisdom that can step up? And do you want to give plate appearances to Hayward to do so? But Schwindel on the year, what I do like about him, Corey, is that he's not striking out. And he didn't strike out in AAA either with Oakland this year. In 207 plate appearances with Oakland, he had a 17% strikeout rate with 16 home runs. Like that's that's pretty impressive. And I know he's 29. I don't really want to, you know, be hyperbolic and 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 pump him up. I just think it's interesting that he's striking out so so little and hitting so many home runs. And we're seeing something similar so far in his current time with the Cubs. And in 65 plate appearances, he only has a 20% strikeout rate in four home runs, and he hits tanks, right? So it's it's. It's interesting. That's where I come back down to. I, when I first saw him play in the first like, game with you, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Like, what kind of swing is that? But as I start watching him more and more, like, I get a lot of Todd Frazier vibes from mm-hmm. him, like his overall swing mechanics. Todd Frazier, of course, way better player and hitter than Frank Schwindel. But I just, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's interesting. Uh, he has, he has good energy in the dugout. Got some good photos of him when he's hitting those uh, home runs there. So that, that, that's fun. But yeah, at this point, I guess my saying is why not? Like, why not give Frank Schwindel these plate appearances? And hopefully we see like Rivas come up soon and get similar type of playing time. But why, why not? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at this point with his sample size drawing too much from sure. it. Um, we'll see but where it's we another, are it's in another four thing to, five to weeks. you know, keep an eye on for these last few weeks. Yeah, well, we by the end of September, to, nothing else to keep. Yeah, it'll be a larger sample, and you can sort of see where where this all kind of goes. I also this is you know he he in particular is in a rather tough spot, right? Because he more directly than I think anybody has replaced someone given the position, right? 
like they've had Alcantara and Romine at short, um, but Alcantara was already here. And Bryant was playing so many positions, like nobody's like technically replaced him directly, right? Schwindel replaced Anthony Rizzo, and he talked about this this weekend of just being like, obviously, I'm not replacing Anthony Rizzo. I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't even begin to think of that. I'm just here to earn an opportunity, do my job, keep getting a chance to go out there and play. Very happy to be here, all of that. So I, I, I do give him a, a little extra credit because I think he's in one of the more difficult positions in that not not that like fans are going to resent him because he's not Anthony Rizzo, but you want to talk about like a tough role to jump into and being the first guy to play first base for the Cubs in a long time that isn't Anthony Rizzo, not an, not an easy job. So, you know, like, at least watching him do well, hit well at the plate, like you said, he's got a good attitude about it all. It gives us something to pay attention to for these these last few weeks, and it, it can't be an oh, easy like, spot for him to be in. Oh, we got, like, not much else to follow from the positional group, right? So, you know, for better or for worse, we're going to be following Frank Schwindel, which, listen, by the end of the year, if he's going to be striking out at a 20% rate in any home runs like this, then he does deserve to be uh, discussed as like a depth piece for 2022. There's, there's, I mean, to be fair, like he does deserve that if this continues, but in this plate sample size of, you know, 60 plate appearances, this is, is too little. Right. Let's see what yeah. happens as, uh, as the year progresses. All right. So, Let's preview. Um, I know you guys love these previews at this point. Let's preview this upcoming set. Um, the Cubs, again, right now are on an 11-game losing streak, so we'll see if that continues. They have a good chance to continue losing against <laughs> here, the Cincinnati Reds. So uh, it's looking good for the Cubs here. So Monday, first game. We have Justin Steele back on the mound. That will be fun. Uh, on the year, Steele is 2-1, a 2.95 ERA. Of course, this is his second start since returning from AAA. We have Wade Miley on the mound for Cincinnati. Having a great year. 9-4 record, a 3 ERA. That Monday game starts at 6.10 p.m. Central, and these games are in Cincinnati. On Tuesday, same start time, 6.10 p.m. Central. We have Kyle Hendricks pitching for the Cubs. Kyle on the year is 13-5 with a... 4.15 ERA on the mound for the Reds is Vladimir Gutierrez. Gutierrez this year for the Reds, he's 8-3, a 3.95 ERA, so having a good year there for Cincinnati. And then on Wednesday, the Cubs have not announced a starter yet. That game is an early start time, so set your alarms. 11.35 a.m. Central. I know you guys are you know, watching these day games that early. Um, but on the mound for the Cincinnati Reds is Tyler Malley, a 10-3 record. A 3.58 ERA. Just reading these guys' lines for Cincinnati, the starting pitchers, it's like, all right, well, this makes sense. And, uh, like, I'm reminded, too, with Malley, for example. Like, he, in the years past, had bad ERAs. And there's discussion of, like, why is this stuff not working? And not to equate that to Adber, but Adber's ERA of, of plus five this year. Like, you do see examples of good guys with good stuff turning it around and having seasons, like you're seeing with, with Malley at this mm-hmm. point. So what I'm looking for, Justin Steele, uh, that's kind of basically it. Uh, Hendricks, I mean, of course, just seeing him be status quo and be who he is, and we'll keep monitoring what Frank Schwindel is looking like. We didn't talk about it today, but Patrick Wisdom, we'll see how that play discipline continues to stabilize specifically that contact rate. Didn't talk about him today, 
but Ian Happ, we'll see how he continues to look. Still, you know, iffy, iffy. But that's that's it. The main focal point for me this series, and I think for most fans at this point, is Justin Steele. I would agree. Yeah, it's about Justin Steele. And can we get to 14? Brendan, what do you think? Let's do it. You're in? Ernie Banks, 14. Let's go. All right, I'm Brendan's in, in the I'll tank, everybody. I want 20. <laughs> Let's We're go. going tanking. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what it is. I, and I I think for Steele in particular, this is going to be an interesting one just because the Reds have been playing well, they still have something to play for. And that, that offense in that ballpark, tough place to pitch. So, you know, especially for a guy making his second career start, not an easy task for Justin Steele. So, you know, as a reminder, like we're trying to be patient with with guys like that and just sort of seeing what he's able to do, how he adjusts, how he works out there, things like that. Um, but it will all, you know, at the same time, it's it's an interesting place uh, for him to go because it's, it's going to be a challenge. So um, would be exciting if he's able to meet that challenge and, and do well. And, you know, at the same time, if he's not, I think um, you know, there, there, you would be understanding of that, but yeah, that's, that's definitely the thing to look for. I think for, for most of us, I I was pretty excited about his start against the Brewers in that last series. And I'm looking forward to this one from him in this red series. But other than that, it is about, uh, can they get to 14? Will this losing streak ever stop? Will the Cubs ever win again? In our life, Brendan, I don't know. Wow. You have to tune Morbid. in to Chicago Cubs baseball on Monday to find out the answer to this and many more questions. But as it stands right now, uh, there are, by my count, I believe the Cubs are now in the eight or nine position for that draft. Um, I believe the eight. There are three teams in the American League with a worse record and four teams in the National League with a worse record. So, cool. <laughs> like, really unbelievable. Uh, what, a di- what a disaster. Hold on, though. Like, what Like what? What happened? I, I don't know. Dude. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess I keep saying this, but only to make myself feel better, but there can't be another regular season in our lifetimes that's as bad as this. Like this, ha- this has to be it. You lose all your guys from that World Series team. You lose, you know, Rizzo unexpectedly, and then you're quite literally the worst team in the We're league just never, for the yeah, rest never of the season. Never win a game. Yeah. Uh, so find me another worse season. I, I, I hope it never happens. I don't even want to imagine what that would look like. And wild looking too, like just at the thing that a run differential now is negative uh, 86. Another just like <laughs> wild thing to look at because it for a time in in those early months, even when the division was tight, the Cubs were the only team in the division with a positive run differential, right? Like Milwaukee was milling around there and they're, they did not have a, a positive run differential. And so now the Cubs nearing you know, negative 100. And certainly in the, you know, these last couple of weeks, they've gotten bludgeoned a few times that has, has certainly helped that number. But it's just, I, I mean, wild to look at. I mean, looking at the Cubs standings where I was pulling those, you know, kind of where their their draft status would be, they're obviously 0-10 in their last 10, which is one of the things in the MLB standings table. They've lost 11 in a row, negative 86 run differential, it's like what? <laughs> like I, I can't believe I'm looking at these numbers. Um, 
15 games out of a wild card spot. It's really something. Uh, really impressive work That's it? they've done to get themselves. Oh, we still have a chance. It's only, it's only 15 games. That's only like, you know, three weeks coming back. We can do it. Uh, on the wings of Frank Schwindel. But anyway, <laughs> I I think that's all we have for you. With the way this season has gone, some of these podcasts could turn into just real uh, studies and deliriousness from Brendan and I. Or delirium. I don't know what the correct word is. Perhaps that's part of the insanity uh, part that I'm of experiencing. Thing. But exactly right. Anyway, I think that's what we have for you. Um, I guess hopefully in the next series we talk. I don't know. Do you guys want them to win? Not win? I don't. I don't even know what we're hoping for at any point. I, as long as everybody has a nice time, we'll be back with you on Wednesday night to break down. <laughs> The Reds and Cubs, whatever happens, probably the Reds winning three games, and uh, there'll be an off day on Thursday, and then we'll set you up for that weekend series. But as always, we appreciate you guys listening to and downloading the Cubs-related podcast. We appreciate you guys leaving those five-star reviews in the Apple Store, and just listening to Brendan and I ramble on about now a team that hasn't won in almost two weeks for the second time this year. So... Thank you guys for the support. We will talk to you soon. And uh, as always, and lately, I, I mean it. This is where it really rings true. As always, no matter what, go Cubs.